Welcome to the Being Well podcast. I'm joined today by Dr. Rick Hansen. Dad, how are you doing? Excellent. Happy to do this. Today, we're going to take a look at enjoying life, the final sub-piece of the overall strength of compassion that we're starting out the podcast series with. I'm going to approach this a little bit more directly than I have some of these other ones, because I think that people look at enjoying life as a as a strength to develop, and they kind of like immediately raise their eyebrow a little yeah. bit at it. I mean, I, I know that in my certain kind of skeptical way, I definitely do that. Why is enjoying life a strength to develop rather than just like something that we should seek to do in our everyday experience? Of course, I want to enjoy my life, but what does that have to do with developing inner strengths or becoming more resilient? In the context of compassion, yeah, which acknowledges things that are hard, it's really useful to look for those little authentic opportunities mm-hmm. to enjoy something anything, the more your life sucks. Okay. Yeah. So, for example, I'm thinking back in times uh, during uh, the last year of my dad's life, where, as you Mm. know, I spent a lot of time at the medical center where he was and so forth. And there was a lot about that that made my heart very heavy, and it was hard to do. There were a lot of things I had to deal with, and and it wasn't like it was the greatest time in the world. And so it became especially important to have a little back and forth joke with the person at the uh, cafeteria in the hospital mm. who was selling me a sandwich. Or it was important when I walked out of the building late at night to then drive an hour and a half home to look up and suddenly see, wow, there's a moon, there are light clouds, there's stars still there. There's still something good to enjoy. Those little uh, mouthfuls yeah. of enjoyment helped me keep going and deliver the goods uh, for my dad. Two, Research shows that it's the enjoyment of experiences that turbocharges our learning from them, our gaining from them. So if you want to gain from uh, anything positive that you want to grow inside yourself, uh, like compassion for other people or yourself, or a sense of confidence that you can speak up in meetings and people want to hear what you have to say, uh, if you're trying to really increase the installation of that experience, to hardwire it into yourself for the maximum possible, mm. there are underlying neurobiological factors mm-hmm. that uh, travel with enjoyment that accelerate the hardwiring of that experience into your brain, notably dopamine and norepinephrine. So you're basically just trying to turn up the volume on a positive experience so it becomes more mentally salient. Is that more or less what you're saying? Yeah, and as you turn up the volume, yeah. the enjoy as you turn up the enjoyability of the experience, your inner recorder gets mm-hmm. better at turning the song of experience mm-hmm. into a permanent record inside you, mm-hmm. which then you can carry with you wherever you go. And to kind of follow on that, that's particularly important if it's kind of a, a, we're going to talk about this later in the podcast for a different strength, but sort of a key experience for you. Like mm-hmm. if you're somebody who struggles with um, with really putting yourself out there, yeah. for instance, and you're really nervous about this speech that you have to give at a thing. Mm-hmm. If after you give that speech, people come up to you and they say, wow, you did a really great job. Yeah, It's particularly important to really feel that, to really take that in, to remind yourself that that happened in the past. So it yeah. gets installed as kind of a um, a very durable strength inside. Is that about yeah. right? Yeah. And um, when you're doing that, mm-hmm. really pay attention to the enjoyability 
of okay. the experience because yeah. that's what's going to turbocharge it's the, the fun installation. Yeah. yeah, the fun factor and also enjoyment could be uh, enjoying enjoying life is often kind of subtle mm. where you you just you're comfortable, you're reassured, uh, you you feel good about what you're experiencing in the moment. It doesn't mean that it has to be a million dollar moment. Yeah, but when you're, let's say you're with these other people at mm-hmm. the talk, uh, to let yourself really like the experience. The more you let yourself like it, uh, the more you help it become a part of you. To kind of focus on that for a second, if we pull back the lens a little bit Mm. and kind of look at it more culturally, we've talked about this a little bit in some of the things, in some of the episodes that we've had in the past. Two things. First thing, I think that we have kind of this meta-narrative in the culture that you grow from doing things that are hard. Mm Mm-hmm keep a stiff upper lip, go to the gym. The gym sucks, but you do it because it's good for you. Mm -hmm. You know, you develop strengths based on toughing it out. Mm -hmm. Focusing on enjoyment as opposed to toughing it out is is a pretty big paradigm shift. Like Mm -hmm. you're approaching this from a pretty different angle here. Second thing, I think that not to, you know, tread in dangerous territory here, but I think we have a little bit of a tendency as a culture to look at pleasure as something that's kind of not always wholesome. Mm Mm-hmm. To, it's sort of a loaded word. Enjoyment is kind of a complicated subject. You nailed several things. I mean, we live in supposedly hedonistic Western culture. Yeah. What I observe when I walk down the street in, uh, or talk with people, including people who have the minimum needs of their li- of their life are being met. They'll say uh, reasonable standard of living working class, lower middle class, and above, you ask them, how much of your life do you actually enjoy? How many minutes in your day, how many seconds in your day would you say that you are experiencing enjoyment of them? And I think most people would say many of the minutes in their day are unpleasant and most of the rest are neutral. They're kind of numb. They're just grinding away, getting stuff done, dealing with things. And then occasionally there are these things that are really enjoyable. Often, mm-hmm. as you get as you're getting out, packed into something that's problematic, like overeating, sex, drugs, and you know, and alcohol, uh, or just mindless binge watching of television. Not necessarily stuff that's that good for us. So there's actually not that much enjoyment mm-hmm. in a lot of ways in people. And the other thing is that many people have a very problematic relationship with pleasure, just like you're saying. Yeah. It's it's taboo or pleasure got a bad name when they were a young child and were exploring their bodies or enjoying the world. Um, most pleasure is not eroticized, but mm-hmm. in people's minds, somehow it gets loaded with those associations often. Um, so for many people, it really is a form of self-caring and including compassion for themselves, to allow themselves to take pleasure in ways that have been forbidden previously. Obviously, I'm not encouraging people to do stuff that harms themselves or other people, but there's a lot of pleasure to be had in this life uh, with that, that doesn't harm anybody. Why not allow yourself to have that, right? One. Second, uh, to your point about how do we grow strengths? You're mm-hmm. right. There is this idea that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Actually, the research on trauma shows that what doesn't kill you usually makes you weaker. <laughs> okay. It usually breaks you. Yeah. It usually, it, uh, yes, there is post-traumatic growth, but a lot of the terrible experiences that people have in life are injurious. 
Mm-hmm. They actually uh, tend to, including in terms of the brain, make people even more sensitive to painful, stressful, emotionally upsetting experiences. They don't become more resilient as a result of the experience or the challenge that they had. And if they do become more resilient, mm-hmm. if they do go on that combat tour yeah. or come, come out of that terrible marriage or childhood if, and they become stronger um, as a result, something had to be present in addition to the suffering. Mm. Otherwise, there's no growth. There's no strengthening. It's just pain. Yeah, there's a reason that PTSD is a thing. Yeah, there's just pain with no gain. Mm -hmm. So even if there is some um, gain to be had in tough experiences, and I've had my own, and I think there are certain kinds of strengths that are only developed through adversity, but something has to be present in addition to adversity for strength to come out of it. Based on what you were saying... There's kind of an obvious follow-up question is what has to be present. What stops a a problematic experience from just being problematic? Like what creates growth alongside that, let's call it a learning experience? Whether it's whether we're we're enjoying it or not, mm-hmm. if something has to be present alongside the stimulus, what is that other thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And full disclosure, I would say when I look back on my life, the worst experiences I had, I'd give them a D. Okay. I've never had an F. Okay. I've never well, been yeah. Yeah. I've never been violently attacked. Never had a terrible, devastating injury. Or I want to be really clear. I mean, I've had a lot of C minuses and definitely a lot of Ds. But I wouldn't want to say that I'm at the level of people who've had those most terrible experiences of all. So yeah. I want to just be respectful of that fact and honest about it. That said, when I look back on my own Ds, what else was present? Multiple things. A capacity to ride out the storm and survive the moment. Mm. Really important. So you get through it. Even if you can't change a single thing and you're trapped for a while, you you have this sense in you of, I am going to survive this. Mm -hmm. Another thing that was really important was a sense of, I don't want this to invade me and define me. I'm going to paraphrase Maya Angelou. Um, She said, I've been certainly affected by my terrible experiences, but I refuse to be defined by them. Mm-hmm. That's a paraphrase. It's a beautiful saying. So in in the mind was the sense, you know, uh, this happened. It was horrible. It had the effects that it had. But I do not want to let this become the defining story of my life. Yeah. That is another thing that was present. Think of these as factors. Another was compassion for myself. Mm-hmm. This really sucks. It hurts. I wouldn't wish this upon anyone, including my worst enemy. And it's uh, unfortunate and painful that it's on me. But uh, And in that is a quality of warmth for myself. And another one that was present, maybe I'll finish on my little list here, is a sense of, I want to learn from this. Because then I am taking control of what's been out of my control. Mm -hmm. Because I'm saying to myself, I'm going to harvest as much meaning and value and learning from this as I possibly can. Maybe the learning is, rut-row, never go to a party without having my own drive home. Or rut-row, that kind of person is a bad person to do business with. Mm -hmm. Or, whoa, never try to have that kind of conversation when you're buzzed on alcohol. Or maybe the learning is something uh, more poignant, like, wow, difficult things happen. Things fall apart from time to time. You can't make a perfect life. It's going to happen. 
That's just part of the truth of things. Maybe that's the learning from it. But the point is to have a learning orientation. Carol Dweck, as you know, talks about a growth orientation. Mm -hmm. And we can apply that kind of growth orientation to uh, growing from really awful things that have happened to us. Yeah. So to kind of loop back and, and bring us bring the spotlight back to the, the idea of enjoying life, those enjoyable experiences, would you say that they insulate us against the, the difficult ones when we do have them? Because I think that's sort of a, a natural objection to the focus mm-hmm. on enjoying life is this idea that, well, if you just enjoy things all the time, when something truly problematic comes along, like you're right. referring to, won't you be very vulnerable to it? Yep. Won't it feel particularly bad? You know, if you've just had sweet food your whole life, won't the sour really kind of crush you? You're getting at something very deep. And to use a kind of stereotype, I grew up in Los Angeles, uh, you know, very ordinary town. And uh, Beverly Hills was off there in the distance. Sure, sure. And there were TV shows about it. Yeah. And for me, what you're getting at, Forrest, is the difference between merely experiencing pleasure mm. and internalizing it. Mm-hmm. Merely enjoying compared to internalizing your enjoyments. And when we actually internalize our experiences of enjoyment, of various kinds of enjoyment, sometimes they're subtle, sometimes they're very conventional, sometimes they're even profound. When we take them into ourselves, we become less hungry for external sources of enjoyment. Mm. And I see a lot of people who are very good at manipulating their environment. They're really good at their playlist. They're really good at circulating with certain friends. They're really good with manipulating their own psychology with sweets or drugs or alcohol or caffeine. They're very good at doing that, or they'll put themselves in certain situations. Now they have a great car, so they're manipulating their experience with that great car. Mm -hmm. But along the way, there's no internalization. They're just, uh, it's all externals. And then when, inevitably, coming back to Beverly Hills, their most recent movie is a flop or they're exposed on YouTube doing something bad, or nobody returns their calls anymore. You're dead in this town, so-called. The external structures fade away. Fall apart, and then they're hollow inside, and then you're really screwed. Mm -hmm. So the point here is a deep one. It's to feed yourself along the way. So when, inevitably, if only because you're getting older, and your senses start to dull, or maybe you have health problems, or maybe chronic pains, you know, moves in and doesn't leave, um, you know, then you, when when the movie stops, when the external supply train slows down, inside yourself, you're still already filled up. I think that's a great metaphor for what we're doing here as a whole. Yeah. And because the work that you do is so focused on this idea of taking external experiences and turning them into lasting internal traits, you have to get good at shining the spotlight on the experiences that you want to take into yourself. Yes. And the, one of the very powerful ways you could do that is through enjoying life. This mm-hmm. idea of identifying the good, really experiencing the good, and then letting it kind of slowly become a lasting part of you so that you have a cup that's already full. Yeah. So even when, you know, you have to pour a little bit out of that cup into somebody else's, you still have plenty left for yourself. Does that sound about right? Yeah. That's great. And just to finish, talk about your grandfather. My dad. Yeah, absolutely. No longer alive. Grew up on a ranch in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Very Grew up in poverty uh, uh, during the Depression. And he was amazing. He could enjoy himself anywhere. 
Yeah, <laughs> you're laughing because you know it's true. He literally could be stuck by the side of the road, mm -hmm. and he would start looking at the little grass growing out of the side of the hillside and become fascinated by it. And I think a lot of that is because he learned to enjoy himself wherever mm -hmm. he was, not so dependently upon external, you know, upholstered, cushy circumstances. I think that's a really admirable quality. Yeah, and I think that it loops back to something you said a moment ago or kind of alluded to that enjoying life is most important when your life is most difficult. Yes. You know, the, the fewer uh, things that you have outside of yourself with which to enjoy life, the more important it becomes to take those things and internalize them yeah. so that they become again, that kind of lasting part of who you are. Yeah. So really, really quick recap. Some of the stuff we covered today. Um, enjoying life isn't just a sort of trite statement of, oh, you know, go out and have a good time today, Timmy. Um, it's really about internalizing external experiences as lasting changes inside of your body. There are a lot of cultural forces that push people away from pleasure, even though we have this kind of meme of living in this intensely hedonic culture. You know, often most people really aren't that good yeah. at actually enjoying the pleasurable parts of their experiences for very various reasons ranging from their stressing about the not enjoyable parts to something happened when they were a kid and it made it really tough for them to enjoy a thing. Finally, to talk about what you were referring to, but at the end there, just because you have a lot of sweet experiences doesn't mean that you're good at internalizing those sweet experiences. And so even if there's, there's the glitzy car, there's the big house, there's the whatever, it doesn't mean that thing's always going to be there. You know, everything kind of eventually fades away. And when it fades away, what are you left with? You're left with the things that you brought inside of yourself. Great. So next episode, we're going to start a whole other strength. I think that we're going to move into mindfulness, which I know is a topic near and dear to your heart. Yeah. And we're going to be exploring some of the topics inside of that. So, Dad, thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you. 